All right, ready? Rock and roll. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another exciting episode of the RGV Sports Podcast. My name is Andrew McCullough. I am your RGV football class 6A beat reporter stationed here in beautiful, sunny McAllen, Texas. Uh, I know it's cold and winter-like all over the rest of the state, but it's nice, sunny, 70-something degrees here in McAllen. I'm excited to bring you guys a full recap of our full by-district round playoff action and a look ahead to the area round. Uh, But before we dive into either of those things, we have an update on a story that gained some national and even some international attention uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm, of course, referring to the incident that occurred in the 31-6A zone play-in game about a week and a half ago now. We're recording this on uh, Tuesday, December 15th in the afternoon. About a week and a half ago, uh, the Edinburgh High Bobcats and PSJ High Bears met in a winner-go-home game to get to the playoffs, uh, but that game was marred by an incident that occurred in the second quarter that many people are well aware of now due to a video circulating on social media and uh, lots of reporting on it, quite frankly. Uh, We're talking, of course, about Bobcat senior defensive lineman Emmanuel Derone, who uh, physically instigated a confrontation with uh, referee Fred Gracia in the second quarter of that contest after he was ejected for getting uh, multiple flag calls on the same play. Uh, Yesterday, the UIL held an emergency, well, not an emergency, but an executive committee meeting um, essentially to discuss punishments both for Derone, uh, Bobcats head football coach, J.J. Leha and also uh, Edinburgh High Athletics as a whole. And uh, I sat in and watched this executive committee meeting, which was held via Zoom due to you know uh, health and safety requirements, given that we're still in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. And um, I've got to be honest, from watching this, it was a pretty tense exchange at times. Um, I think the UIL personnel that were in the meeting were a little bit upset uh, that might be understatement, actually. They were definitely uh, agitated with some of the ways in which uh, Edinburgh High um, described this incident in a written report they sent to them before this meeting. Um, in that report, they said that this incident was, uh, com- quote, completely out of character. Um, however, in that same written report, they failed to mention that Jerome, uh, who was suspended for the remainder of last soccer season, uh, for getting into a similar incident with a referee on the soccer field in February 2020. Uh, that report failed to disclose that incident, uh, and that did not please uh, the UIL executive committee members who were in attendance Monday uh, to hear this, essentially. Um, the gist of that situation back in February 2020 is that Jerome was ejected from a soccer game. Uh, he slapped a red card out of an official's hands and then uh, two hands shoved him in the chest before he was taken off the field by uh, an assistant coach in that one. Uh, The UIL was very upset and um, frankly asked for a reason why uh, Jerome was suspended for the rest of the soccer season in February 2020, but allowed to compete in the UIL State Wrestling Championships uh, only a couple days later actually, where he came in fifth place in the state uh, in class 6A at the 220 pound weight class. Bobcats, I mean, I'm sorry, not Bobcats, Edinburgh High Principal uh, Yesenia Molina, Molina, sorry, who was uh, part of this meeting yesterday, addressed that uh, directly when they asked her. And um, I'm, I'm, it was a long response, and I'm not doing it justice by giving you the Cliff Notes version, but um, it essentially boiled down to saying um, we had lengthy discussions with internal personnel within Edinburgh CISD, Edinburgh High, the soccer team, Jerome and his parents. Um, and the conclusion was reached that Jerome would be able to wrestle in the UIL state championships because, um, quote, there were no behavioral incidents at that time in the wrestling program with Jerome. Um, and he was the only athlete uh, representing Edinburgh CISD at those state wrestling championships in February, 2020. Um, basically the Cliff Notes version of what happened in this hearing, uh, The UIL kind of came down hard on all three of these entities. They, as many expected, barred uh, Duron from competing in any uh, future UIL events moving forward. I think that was uh, something that a lot of people both expected and also kind of had already uh, accepted as part of this because Duron is a senior. 
uh, already. So given both the nature of the incident and uh, the history involved in this particular situation, uh, it seemed unlikely that he was ever going to be able to uh, suit up in a Bobcats uniform again for a number of reasons. Um, Edinburgh CISD had already punished Jerome at that point in time. It's worth noting they had suspended him for, for three days from school uh, and they've enrolled him in a sort of behavioral program. I don't know the correct terminology for it, but um, it will necessitate weekly counseling visits with uh, staff within Edinburgh CISD uh, weekly for the rest of the school year. Jerome is still uh, enrolled at Edinburgh High, has not been expelled, um, but he has been barred from participating in any future extracurricular uh, activities or events there. Um, that also goes back to a contract that he signed after the soccer incident with uh, Principal Molina and his parents and uh, Bobcats athletic coordinator and head football coach J.J. Leha, which essentially said, uh, this is your last strike, and if there are any more behavioral problems, you won't be able to um, participate in any extracurricular activities here at Edinburgh High School. The UIL um, went ahead and formalized that punishment itself, extending that to all statewide uh, UIL events of any nature, essentially um, just to make sure that that decision could not be reversed later on down the line, um, say in March or April, uh, which would have potentially allowed Daron to compete in something like track and field. Uh, but so the UIL's action makes that an impossibility. Furthermore, the UIL decided and voted unanimously on this count and the other count um, to put uh, Leha under a one-year probationary period beginning with the 2021 uh, school year in August and running through May 2022. Uh, the reason for that, they said, is because the Bobcats football season is obviously over already due to them having to uh, forfeit their spot in the playoffs following this incident. That was a decision Edinburgh CISD made and a decision that the UIL uh, both applauded and affirmed, saying that uh, they were prepared to take a similar action if um, Edinburgh CISD did not pull Edinburgh High out of the playoffs uh, for that reason. Um, so basically that probationary period for Leha means uh, that he needs to go a full year without any other behavioral incidents within the football program there at Edinburgh High, um, or else he could uh, face stiffer punishments from the UIL in the future. Um, more on that uh, down the line, obviously. But Leha stays at Edinburgh High. He will be there indefinitely. I'm told that's where he wants to stay. And you know, speaking to Coach Lahia myself, I know he is uh, very invested in the lives of his student athletes. And uh, I know he's trying to do the right thing. So we will have more on that note in the future. But the biggest, stiffest penalty that came out of this uh, was, I think, a response to Edinburgh High School not including that note about soccer and also Daron's participation in wrestling last year before this football incident. Uh, the biggest punishment the UIL came out with was a two-and-a-half-year probationary period for all Edinburgh High School athletic teams, boys and girls, uh, team and individual sports. That's to start immediately and run through the end of uh, May 2023. And uh, that essentially means that the Bobcats, um, as an athletic program at large, uh, cannot have any more on-field or on-court um, inappropriate incidents with referees or officials, or else the UIL will come back with uh, severe and stiffer punishments. Uh, the upper limit on the punishment the UIL could place on Edinburgh High, if that were to happen and there were to be a third physical altercation between a Bobcat student athlete and an official within the next two and a half years, the UIL would have the ability and the power uh, to potentially ban all the Bobcats teams from postseason competition for uh, up to three full years, uh, which is certainly a stiff penalty, um, but I think this is also definitely a case of the UIL wanting to say this is not acceptable behavior and uh, that the organization won't tolerate this from any school uh, anywhere in the state, uh, especially repeat incidences of this nature. Um, in this meeting, Drone did apologize in the one opportunity he was given to speak to uh, his, his teammates, his parents, uh, his coaches in the UIL, 
Uh, no apology, however, was made by Drone or, frankly, anyone in the hearing, for that matter, um, to the official involved in this incident, uh, Mr. Fred Gracia. Um, furthermore, Edinburgh CISD announced that they're going to develop some policies moving forward to try and make sure nothing like this ever happens again, um, one of which is a policy that states uh, if a Bobcats or maybe an Edinburgh CISD student athlete is um, ejected from a contest uh, or a UIL event of any kind, a minimum of two coaches uh, are going to be required to go on to the uh, playing surface and remove that athlete from competition uh, and the sidelines to uh, prevent any incidences of these nature uh, of this nature from happening again in the future. That's something that the UIL applauded um, during this hearing yesterday. Uh, they did say they respected very much um, what the Edinburgh CISD administration has done uh, in response to this event. Um, they were more just so, I think, a little bit scratching their heads maybe is the right term to use as to how this was allowed to unfold in the first place, essentially. Um, and then also the UIL stated that they're working closely with the Texas Association of Sports Officials, TASSO. Uh, that's the organization that oversees referees for high school sports throughout the state. They are working in conjunction with one another um, to develop some specific language um, to address instances like these. Um, it's something that hasn't happened a whole lot. There was an incident, I believe about five years ago, at San Antonio John Jay High School where something similar happened. And the UIL and TASSO seem pretty determined not only to protect student athletes, uh, but also officials moving forward as much as they can. Um, the UIL said during that hearing yesterday they're going to work with TASSO um, to hopefully formalize some rules and um, some very specific language uh, that deals with um, rule violations as it relates to inappropriate physical contact with officials. The UIL said they hope to vote on instating some of those as new official rules at their next legislative council meeting, which is currently scheduled for June 2021, although they said that would be the earliest and said that it might uh, be after the, that date also. Um, important to note, too, the UIL already has all the authority that those rules were formalized. Um, it would just be something to make it clear and stated and put it in writing moving forward. Um, that's about all we know at this stage. Uh, Derone was charged uh, the day after the event with a, a misdemeanor Class A assault. Um, he, he bonded out of Hidalgo County Jail the day after um, by posting a $10,000 surety bond through O. Castaneda Bail Bonds, uh, which is in Edinburgh. Uh, he's an 18-year-old, so he's been charged as an adult, um, although the matter is an ongoing legal matter. Um, so we will we'll see if there are any more developments in this case moving forward, frankly. Um, Overall, kind of a disappointing incident for everyone involved, especially um, the officials who were obviously shaken up by this, especially Mr. Gracie and his family, um, who went through more than anyone else involved in this incident. Um, but also the other Edinburgh High football players who unfortunately had to see their season in this way, some of whom were seniors and had to see their uh, high school football careers in this way. And, um, you know, other athletes at Edinburgh High School, too, um, who maybe play different sports but are um, somehow or another also tangentially affected by this in a way. Um, overall, just a kind of a saddening incident, um, hopefully. And I, the other thing the UIL did say, they were um, appreciative of Edinburgh CISD's willingness to work with Jerome moving forward. Um, particularly with the counseling piece and all of that, um, because it's important to remember that even though he's 18 years old and being tried as an adult, um, you know, there's still obviously a lot of life left for that young man to live, and uh, we certainly wish him the best moving forward, um, and we hope that some of these uh, issues can either be resolved or uh, worked on in the future uh, for the betterment of everybody involved in this unfortunate situation.
What's up, everybody? It's Brian Ramos here. I am your 5A beat writer here with the Monitor and the RGV Sports here in the Rio Grande Valley covering 5A football. And I am happy to be here with you for another week. We are breaking down all the by-district round playoff action we had at the 5A level. A loaded eight games here uh, in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. And then to look ahead to all the area round 5A playoff matchups we got coming up. We got Three teams moving on, so let's get right into this recap. Uh, we'll start with District 16, 5A, Division 1. We had one team advance, and that was the Westaco East Wildcats, the number one seed from 16, 5A, D1, as they earned a 26-23 win over Victoria East at Bobby Lackey Stadium. This was a back-and-forth battle to the very end, man. Uh, Avery Bowen did his thing for the Wildcats, over 200 yards rushing, Three rushing touchdowns and running back Gio Guetta also goes over 100 yards with 133 and a touchdown for himself. But in the end, it came down to that Westlake East Wildcats defense, that strong side defense. Could they get a stop with a three-point lead there in the final quarter? And uh, Victoria East had their chance. They had the ball. They had, they had a chance to go ahead or, t- or tie the game late. But that Westlake uh, East defense held strong there in midfield, turned Victoria East over on downs as the Wildcats advance to the area around. So shout out to Coach Burgett and company and that that offense and defense really does their thing here. I know they squeak one out 26-23, but hey, they're in the second round once again. Uh, so yeah, congratulations to Westlake East. Elsewhere in District 16, 5A Division 1, we had McAllen Rowe fall to Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial 47-14. And that is a Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial team that is probably the best in that entire area. I know they're a relatively, relatively new school, but man, they're just something else on the football field. But Rowe uh, fights till the end. Nick Meehan, 124 rushing yards, one touchdown. David Savage has a nice day receiving with five catches for 80 yards and one touchdown. But it's not enough as Rowe falls uh, to Corpus Christi Vets, 47-14. McAllen Rowe, uh, who was the number uh, four seed in 16-5A D1, finishes the year 3-4 and four overall. And uh, elsewhere, we had another McAllen school in the playoffs, McAllen Memorial. Uh, they hosted a playoff game there at Veterans Memorial Stadium in McAllen Friday night, but they uh, fell on the wrong side of this decision as Victoria West earned a 61-35 to win over McAllen Memorial. And I, I know this, the score may say uh, it, it's a 26-point final score, a 26-point gap in the final score, but uh, McAllen Memorial was in it to the very end. Victoria West manages to pull away uh, late, but um, McAllen Memorial gave them everything they got, man. Um, Michael Lewis and Andrew Salinas both go over 100 yards, two touchdowns apiece uh, for them, but it's not enough as Victoria West advances to the second round of the playoffs. McAllen Memorial finishes the year 5-2 and two overall. And then in uh, the final team in District 16, 5A Division One, we had Brownsville Pace go on the road to take on Flower Bluff and... Flower Bluff picks up a 56-27 win over Pace. Uh, Flower Bluff was uh, jumped up 28-6 at halftime, and, and that was it. Jose Banda for the Vikings does his thing as he do, has done for the past three years as their starting quarterback, 227 passing yards, two, two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Then Mark Garcia also adds 117 rushing yards for the Vikings. So uh, Brownsville Pace falls. Uh, 56-27, they put up some points and, and, and gave Flower Bluff everything they had. But um, when it's all said and done, Flower Bluff is moving on to the area round as Brownsville Pace finishes their year 4-2 and two overall uh, and 3-1 and one in District 16-5A Division 2. So, Westaco East, the only team moving on. We will get into their area round matchup in just a second. But first, we're going to uh, recap everything we had going on in District 16-5A Division 2. Four more RGV teams putting it on the line, winner or go home, playoff situations. And we had some good showings as we had four playoff qualifiers. We go and the Valley teams go two and two as Sherryland Pioneer and Mercedes advance to the area round. We'll start off with Sherryland Pioneer as the uh, the Diamondbacks host Medina Valley uh, here at Richard Thompson Stadium. And uh, Pioneer picks up a 42 to 23 win. Uh, over Medina Valley, Eddie Lee Marburger, 142 yards, two passing touchdowns, 130 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. And uh, Tristan Castillo uh, gets going on the ground for the Diamondbacks, 69 rushing yards, two touchdowns. And Taylor Esparza also has 
comes through with 79 rushing yards. As uh, th- this defense they chose, we're not gonna, they uh, decided we're not going to let Eddie Lee Marburger throw all over us. So the Diamondbacks said, okay, we're going to run all over you. And that's what they did. Uh, it was a 21-14 game at half, so it was close at the half. But Pioneer only gives up nine second-half points. They score 21 more for themselves. And that's how we get to 42-23. to uh, Just a, another big win for Pioneer, who is now 6-0 and on the year and back in the area round for the second time in program history. And it's a second straight year. So Diamondbacks got a good thing going here with uh, Coach Tom Lee and staff. And, of course, Eddie Lee Marburger doing his thing, leading that offense. Elsewhere in, in District 16-5A Division Two, Mercedes advances. They pick up a big win over Floresville, 41-34. to And this was a, another back-and-forth game, and it, it was a wild one. I was, of course, at the Pioneer Medina Valley game, but I was following this one on my phone uh, throughout the entire game. It was just a back-and-forth matchup. I watched some of this, uh, some of this game uh, Friday night. Uh, like at one or two in the morning, I was just so hyped up on football. And man, shout out to Mercedes for picking up a big win. They score 14 points in the fourth quarter to come back and beat Floresville 41 to 34. Uh, man, the Tigers, uh, five rushing touchdowns as a unit. Uh, Josiah, Josiah Canthu had one. Miguel Jimenez, 92 yards and two touchdowns. Tyrell Trevino, two touchdowns. And then Mike Cisneros doesn't have the best day passing, but he does his thing on the ground with 123 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. So shout out to Mercedes for picking up a big win over Floresville. Last year, they nearly beat Alice at home to get into the second round. This year, they get the job done. So shout out to Mercedes as they're on to the second round for the first time since the 2017 season. Then we had the Ed Couch Elsa Yellow Jackets who went on the road to face uh, a really tough Bernie Champion team. Uh, of course, that Bernie Champion team went four rounds deep uh, in last year's playoffs. And uh, this time they, they beat Ed Couch Elsa here in the first round, 56 to 19. Um, of course, you know, uh, La Machina, Maria, they're, they're never going to quit. They're never going to back down. They're going to step up to any challenge. And uh, you know what? They didn't go out down without a fight. Justin Galan, uh, the, the team's leading rusher in District 16, 5A Division II's leading rusher, has over 107 yards. Sean Alvarado comes back and has two touchdowns, 61 yards rushing for the Yellow Jackets. And Ever, Ever Crispin, 107 uh, rushing yards. But Bernie Champion was uh, too much in, in the end. But shout out to the Yellow Jackets. After missing the playoffs for, for a couple of years, um, the, the Yellow Jackets, back-to-back playoff appearances, uh, and sure, ba- uh, back-to-back first-round uh, first playoff losses. But, hey, man, they're going to bring it against whoever they play. So shout-out to the Yellow Jackets, Coach Navarro and company, for another playoff appearance. And then to wrap up the uh, by-district round at the 5A level, we had the historic Hogs, the PSJ Southwest Javelinas, who made their first program, uh, first playoff appearance, appearance in program history. Uh, in, in the school's nine years of competing at the varsity level, and PSJ Southwest uh, goes on the road, falls to Alamo Heights 34-0, to but score doesn't matter, man. This group of, of uh, Javelinas, they made history there. They will never be forgotten, this 20-21 to group. Um, so shout-out to Coach Mike Evans, his staff, and, of course, every single player, the trainers, the, you know, the student trainers, everybody from top to bottom. Shout-out to PSJ Southwest for a historic season and uh, finishing the year 3-4 and four overall with the first playoff appearance in program history. So that wraps up the by-district area recap of the, uh, all our 5A teams. We had eight teams uh, advanced uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Three of them uh, emerged winners, one in District 16-5A Division One with Westlaco East, two in District 16-5A Division Two with Mercedes and Sherryland Pioneer. And that sets us up to look ahead to all the uh, football action we got going on this week at the 5A level. And we'll start back there in District 16-5A D1. Westlaco East will now go on the road. Westlaco East, uh, with that win in the first round over Victoria East, improves the Wildcats to 5-0 and this year. Now they will face a San Antonio Southwest team in the second round of the playoffs in the area round. And this Southwest team, they got some familiarity with the Rio Grande Valley this year as they shared a district with Rio Grande City this year in District 14 5A Division 1. But the Southwest Dragons, they finished the year 5-6 and six overall, 
four and two in, in that district. And there were some good teams at the top of that district. But, um, and they, when they played, when San Antonio Southwest played Rio Grande City earlier this year, Southwest beat Rio 49 to 34. And last week to advance to the area round, San Antonio Southwest beat San Antonio Brackenridge 31 to seven to advance. So uh, yeah, I'm look, really looking forward to this one. It's, it should be an exciting matchup. We got two of, two of the best, I, I would say, uh, running backs here in South Texas. We got, uh, of course, a- Avery Bowen and Gio Guerra, the two-headed monster there uh, in the Westlake East backfield. That's just been, been unstoppable uh, no matter who they've played this season in, in five games. But then San Antonio Southwest ha- has a really good uh, back of the, for themselves. And talking about running back Andre Mitchell, he has over 1,300 yards, uh, rushing yards this season and 19 total touchdowns. Uh, this year in in 11 games for San Antonio Southwest so it'll be interesting to see how this one stacks up going to be a couple of good ground games going against each other who will emerge on top Westico we's trying to go back to the third round once again uh, as as they did last year while San Antonio Southwest looking to make some noise that game is scheduled for a 6 p.m kickoff Friday at Dub Ferris Field in San Antonio that is a 6 p.m kickoff so a little bit of early a uh, little bit of early friday action we got going on now moving on to district 16 5a division 2 we got those two teams the pioneer diamondbacks and mercedes tigers the number ones and number two seeds from 16 5a d2 moving on to the second round of the playoffs so shout out to them for getting that done we'll start with shay and pioneer who will be playing marble falls uh in, in the area around marble falls north of san antonio south of austin uh, going to be interesting to see this matchup. Marble Falls has gone seven and two overall this year. They are the number three seed in District in District fourteen five A Division two, and uh, Marble Falls had to win a thriller to, to get here to the area round. They they beat a Brenham team twenty seven twenty four with a last second field goal to move on to the area round, and uh, and and this matchup it, it sets up an, an intriguing matchup and complete different uh, offensive styles. Uh, scheme wise when you talk about it marble falls runs the nasty slot of course that that ground and pound style and and sherryland pioneer of course runs the air raid offense led by quarterback eddie lee marburger and company so two contrasting styles going to be interesting to see which style pulls ahead uh which style uh, does the most in this one uh but sherryland pioneer they're no stranger to facing the nasty slot they've placed uh They've been in the district with Ed Couch Elsa, who also runs a nasty slot the last two years. They played Roma earlier this year, who also runs that nasty slot. So it, it'll be interesting to see how Sherryland Pioneer stacks up against Marble Falls coming up uh, this weekend. That is a Friday game, 7.30 p.m. kickoff at Hero Stadium in San Antonio. So uh, the Diamondbacks, they, they start with Medina Valley in the first round. They played a San Antonio area team. Now they got Marble Falls, a team from that area once again. So going to be interesting to see if the Diamondbacks can move to 7-0 and on the year and if they can advance to the, the third round of the playoffs for the second time in program history and, and second year in a row. And then we have the Mercedes Tigers. Of course, I, I mentioned earlier, back in the second round for the first time since the 2017 season. And the Tigers have a tough challenge on their hands against a, a Leander Rouse team that has gone 9-1 and one this year and are the district champions out of 13-5A Division Two. And Leander Rouse, man, they, they had a really good showing in the, in the opening round. They beat Austin Northeast Early College 62-0 in the by-district round to advance to the second round for this matchup with Mercedes. And uh, uh, Leander Rouse, uh, kind of a balanced attack offensively, uh, 2,400 uh, yards passing, 1,700 yards rushing. And this Mercedes offense, of course, we know how balanced they are with quarterback Mike Cisneros and the weapons that they have, like Josiah Cantu and Tyro Trevino. Then, of course, we got Miguel Jimenez in the backfield running the rock, and he's been uh, uh, really productive for Mercedes uh, running the ball this year. So that sets up an exciting matchup, man. The three 5A second-round matchups we have here for Rio Grande Valley teams uh, and Mercedes. The Tigers will take on the Andrew Rouse. That is a 7 p.m. kickoff at Memorial Stadium in Victoria, Texas. So, yeah, uh, shout-out to Westaco East, Pioneer, and Mercedes carrying the torch, leading us into the, the 5A playoffs area round. 
and we'll see how they do. to break down what was a very, very exciting by-district round of playoffs in Rio Grande Valley football. We had 16 teams in 5A and 6A make the by-district round of the playoffs, facing off in 12 games that were all kicked off within an hour and a half of each other on Friday night. Uh, it was a lot for us to keep up with, but I'm not going to lie, it was also a lot of fun to see all those score updates coming in at the same time, trying to keep track of it all. We will start with our recap in uh, Class 5A D1, actually. We had four Valley teams in this district taking on four non-Valley foes. Um, we will start off with a game that happened in McAllen. Um, this was the District 16 5A D1 co-champion McAllen Memorial Mustangs taking on Victoria West. Many fans in the Valley will remember Victoria West from earlier this season. Uh, they got into a shootout all the way back in week one with Raymondville, uh, with the Bearcats ultimately winning that game by a touchdown in Falfurius. Uh, this was a different story though. Victoria West had won six games in a row after that Raymondville one before dropping their last two of the season to some talented Flower Bluff and Corpus Christi Vets teams, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, but Victoria West looked sharp in this one, man. It was sharp, or, I mean, it was a close game throughout the beginning part of this one. Uh, McGowan Memorial fell behind early, but their ground and pound attack really kept them in it, and it was a touchdown game at halftime. Uh, McGowan Memorial tries an onside kick to start the second half, unfortunately does not recover, and uh, that translates pretty quickly to a Victoria West touchdown. Um, the Mustangs had several really good defensive stands in this game, a couple of fourth down stops inside the red zone, um, but ultimately this high-flying Victoria West team was just too much for them to slow down. Uh, Victoria West hung 61 on McAllen Memorial. That's the most anyone has scored on the Mustangs in the last two years, I believe. Um, they, the Mustangs fall in this one 61 to 35. Valiant effort for them. Uh, big day on the ground for a lot of Mustangs in this one, namely Andrew Salinas and Michael Lewis, a pair of seniors, and uh, sophomore Ethan Garcia was also pretty good in this one. Uh, unfortunate way for the Mustangs to end their season, although they did go up against. Uh, what is probably stylistically about as different from what they do as you can find out there. That's a team that really loves to sling the ball around and move it quickly on offense while that Memorial squad, you know, is always known for playing some very gritty, tough situational defense and uh, owning time of possession with that ground and pound attack and that uh, really solid offensive line they have. Um, another game, though, featuring a McAllen team in the 5A D1 by district round. This one was played in Corpus Christi between the Rowe Warriors and Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial, who came into this game undefeated at 9-0 and ranked 7th overall in the state uh, by Dave Campbell's Texas Football and the Associated Press, who are in charge of those rankings. Um, Rowe got off to a great start in this one. They picked off a pass on the opening drive of the game uh, from the Eagles, and then they James Gomez connected with uh, senior wideout David Savage, a guy who has really impressed me every time he's been on the field, even though he's battled uh, pretty extensive injury problems these past two years. Uh, so Roe goes up really early, 7-0, and things are looking good for them early on. However, uh, that Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial offense is just something else, man. Their, head, I mean, their quarterback, I beg my pardon, uh, Carter Sindrift, he had a great game in this one. Um, the Eagles score 47 unanswered points, 33 in a row to close out the first half and go into halftime up 26. Rowe ultimately found the end zone one more time in the second half of this one, uh, but at that stage, I think this game was pretty safely out of hand. Ultimately, Rowe falls to Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial, 47-14 on the road in Corpus Christi. Uh, unfortunate way for both the Warriors and Mustangs to end their season after both of those teams won games in the Class 6A by district round last year, although both of them make back-to-back -back playoff appearances, which is certainly something to be proud of. And then we had one other 5A D1 team that went on the road for the by district round. We're talking, of course, there about Brownsville Pace. They traveled upstate to face a really solid Flower Bluff team uh, that I had the opportunity to see last year uh, in their season opener. Flower Bluff looked really good in 2019 against 
a PSJA team that ended up being crowned district titles in a 6A district. Um, and this year was really not much different for uh, Flower Bluff. They got a really solid quarterback over there in Nash Viegas, and uh, it showed in this one. Flower Bluff rolls to a 56-27 win. Uh, the Vikings put up a good fight in this one, especially uh, from senior quarterback Jose Bonda, who's a UTRGV baseball commit. Uh, that guy is really fast. He earned himself a reputation up in that Corpus area last year with his play in the playoffs. And I know there were certainly a lot of people in that Coastal Bend area that were uh, keeping an eye on him this weekend. He got it done through the air and on the ground. Uh, ultimately, Pace scores four touchdowns in this game, but their defense just is not enough to keep them in this one as a really explosive flower bluff team led by that quarterback, Nash Viegas, as we said, and a really talented third-year starter at running back, um, Isaac Miles. Uh, they advance and move on to the area round again, uh, a team that is used to making appearances there. But one out of the four 5A D1 Valley teams won their by district round game, and that's what we're going to talk about next. We are, of course, referring to the West Coast East Wildcats, who took on the Victoria East Titans at Bobby Lackey Stadium in West Coast. This was a great back and forth game. A uh, couple of lead changes throughout, really a defensive battle. Uh, Victoria East won several games to close the season just to get into the playoffs um, in what was a pretty competitive race for that fourth playoff spot in 15-5A D1. Wesleco East, on the other hand, they pretty much rolled through their zone play with the exception of a close game against Brownsville Pace. Uh, didn't play their district championship game against McAllen Memorial. Uh, so this was really the, the Wildcats' first major test of the season in many ways, but they passed, and that's what matters. Um, ultimately, they won this game with a defensive stand in the fourth quarter that secures them the win. Uh, Avery Bowen, first-year quarterback for the Wildcats, who was at Donahon last year, looked pretty good in this one, was getting it done on his legs and with his arm. Uh, he gives them some versatility that this team didn't have in the playoffs last year. Um, so it will be interesting to see what West Coast East can do moving forward. They win this game over Victoria East 26-23 to advance to the area round. Now West Coast East will travel up to San Antonio this week to take on a San Antonio Southwest team uh, that comes out of that District 14-5A D1 uh, where Rio Grande City was playing this season. Uh, that game will be at 6 p.m. Friday night in San Antonio. I think uh, the Wildcats should be a favorite in this one just based on the strength and depth of their district compared to 14-5A D1, that 10-team uh, District 16-5A D1 with Weslaco, the Brownsville and McAllen schools, Donna and La Jolla Palmview. Uh, I mean, that is a, a gritty 10-team district and uh, you know three out of the four teams who made it uh, to the playoffs out of that district, won games in the 6A playoffs last year, and one of them is West Coast East. West Coast East went to the third round last year in 6A D2. Uh, I watched that third round game for them. They played uh, Austin Westlake and lost in that one, but Westlake ultimately won a state championship, so uh, definitely nothing to be ashamed of there. We'll see if the Wildcats can punch their way into the third round um, when they take on San Antonio Southwest. San Antonio Southwest, by the way, uh, defeated San Antonio Brackenridge in the by-district round 31-7 to to uh, get to the area round. Um, that'll do it for 5A D1 uh, as far as recaps. Now let's go to the four Valley versus Valley games we had this weekend in Class 6A. It was uh, straight-up bragging rights on the line between uh, District 31 6A, in the West Valley, in District 32-6A, in the East Valley. Uh, and we will start this breakdown with our Monitor News Game of the Week, which was in Edinburgh at Richard R. Flores Stadium. This was a great one in the 6A D2 by district round between the Edinburgh Vela Sabercats and the West Coast High Panthers. Only matchup of the week featuring two Hidalgo County teams in the playoffs. Maybe the only playoff matchup between Hidalgo County teams this entire year. We'll see how things play out. Um, this one was not disappointing for a second. Uh, both of these teams were coming off back-to-back -back trips to the third round, so something had to give. Vela came into this game having not trailed for a second all season, but 17 seconds into this game, they found themselves facing their first deficit of the year 
Uh, that's because Jesse Hernandez on the very first play from scrimmage just took off untouched 78 yards to the house uh, for Wesico. Put them ahead 6-0 to zero early. Hernandez had a fantastic first half in this game. He finished the day with three rushing touchdowns, all of which in the first half. Uh, Wesico led the entire first half of the game, actually, which is uh, a little bit surprising since, like we mentioned, uh, Vela hadn't trailed for a single second prior to that and instead found themselves behind for a whole half of football, essentially. Um, Halftime came around, and it was a one-score game. Vela got the ball to start the second half, scored, and took their first lead of the game. Uh, Three lead changes in the second half in this one, but ultimately the Sabercats come out on top thanks in large part to the play of their defense and senior quarterback A.J. Sotelo, who was named our uh, Player of the Week this week um, for the by-district round of the playoffs. He uh, found the end zone five times in this game. Two passing touchdowns, one of which was a 73-yard bomb to uh, senior wideout Mito Perez, which really iced this game. And then he had three rushing touchdowns on the ground, including uh, one with two seconds left on the clock in the first half and no timeouts remaining, which was a pretty clutch score. And then another one on the ground uh, with about five minutes left to play, which gave Velo the lead back for good, ultimately. Uh, Wesleco was down, but not out, though. They were down by about 11 points, a little less than two touchdowns um, with not very much time left to go. Uh, but their defense got several timely stops, a few on fourth and shorts, and uh, this offense gave them a puncher's chance down to the very final second. Uh, Rodney Garza looked really good in this one, especially in the second half. He throws two passing touchdowns, including one uh, after it seemed like this game was seemingly out of reach uh, when Vela moved ahead by two scores. Um, that made this all of a sudden a one-score game. It was a five-point game after that touchdown. Wesco goes for two, ultimately doesn't get it. Um, but there's two and a half minutes left in the game at that point, and you're thinking, well, Wesleco needs to stop, but they'll have no timeouts, and I'm not sure if they can get downfield in that much time and find the end zone. They get the stop, and they used all their timeouts, so Wesleco got the ball back with uh, 25 seconds left, needing to go about two-thirds the length of the field. Rodney Garza and Jesse Hernandez helped them go about 30 or 40 yards downfield in a few seconds. Um, ultimately, Wesleco took two Hail Mary shots to the end zone, one with uh, only a second left on the clock, and uh, ultimately that last pass was intercepted in the end zone uh, by senior safety Ivan Mendoza for the Sabercats, and that one seals the win. Here, Vela captures their fourth by-district title in a row, uh, and they moved to 6-0 on the season, remaining unbeaten. They will face a very good San Antonio Brennan team in the area round, uh, who defeated Del Rio in the by-district round 48-0. Interesting note, in that game also, um, Coach Campbell uh, at Vela got his start at San Antonio Brennan, uh, and his son uh, is is an assistant coach at Brennan right now. So certainly a little bit of familiarity going to play a factor in that one moving forward. Um, But then in 6A D2, we had another 31-6A team win in dramatic fashion as well. We are talking, of course, here about the PSJ North Raiders, who went on the road and earned a shocking upset to many um, over the Brownsville, Hannah Golden Eagles, who were both the 32-6A co-district champions and previously unbeaten coming into this one. Uh, Hannah led 21-6 at the halftime, and it seemed like they were in control just based on uh, what they were able to do defensively. But ultimately, it was the, uh, the duo of freshman quarterback, Ale Aparicio and junior running back Isaac Gonzalez that got it done for the Raiders. They combined to score 22 unanswered points in the second half, and that ferocious black shirt defense pitches its fourth second half shutout of the year uh, through eight games, which is a very impressive stat. Um, they ultimately get the win in this one, 28-21. Uh, I think the Raiders are establishing themselves as maybe dark horse team here in 6A um, to fight their way into the third round, frankly. They will take on San Antonio Taft at 7.30 o'clock on Friday night at uh, Cabinist Stadium in Corpus Christi. San Antonio Taft earned an upset in the by-district round also over a previously unbeaten Eagle Pass squad, um, which entered as the champions of District 35A. 
um, in that one. Certainly an interesting matchup for PSJ North in this game that's going to be Raiders versus Raiders. Uh, definitely going to be tough to keep track of who's who when I'm writing that recap later on this week, but I'm excited to see how that one plays out. Um, certainly the Raiders with that defense and with arguably the, uh, the Valley's top wrecking ball back in Isaac Gonzalez certainly have a puncher's chance. Also, interesting statistic of note, uh, Ale Aparicio, the freshman quarterback for North, through eight games has thrown zero interceptions, which is especially impressive when you consider that he's a freshman who was playing eighth grade football last year, uh, and he's a freshman who didn't have any spring ball and really didn't have any summer ball to speak of either before uh, entering into camp and actually beginning week one as a uh, a split quarterback job, a quarterback battle, if you will. He's really impressed throughout the season and come on in a strong way. So we are looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, now on an even bigger stage in the area around the playoffs. But we will jump ahead now to the biggest stage of them all, Class 6A D1. Uh, a lot of people would tell you nationally this is the hardest tournament in high school football to win with all the enormous schools looped, lumped in this bracket. We still have two Valley schools left standing, and we will start uh, with a matchup in Cameron County this weekend, at, this past weekend, rather, as the Harlingen High Cardinals cruise to a 38-3 victory over Edinburgh North in the by-district round. Uh, that Cardinals defense is really something else, man. They have not allowed a whole lot of points to anyone this year. I don't think they've allowed more than um, – 24 points to anyone in regulation this season, which is quite impressive. They're still undefeated on the year. They move on to the by-district round. I mean, I'm sorry, to the area round where they will play San Antonio Stevens in a game um, on Saturday afternoon in Corpus Christi uh, in the area round. That'll be an interesting one uh, with the winner of that potentially facing a, a real state power in the third round. Um, the winner of that game would face the winner of Austin Westlake, a reigning state champion, and uh, Smithson Valley, a, a really solid 6A team also. Um, but on the other side, this is a game I will be at this – well, before we get to that, uh, recapping our last uh, intra Valley Valley – recapping our last Valley versus Valley game of uh, the by district ground in 6A. The Mission Eagles hosted the San Benito Greyhounds in a game at Tom Landry Hall of Fame Stadium. Uh, Mission ultimately earns the win in this one, thanks in large part to a fantastic game by junior quarterback Jeremy Durone. He runs for three touchdowns in this one and also shows off his arm in an impressive 27-18 win over the Greyhounds. These are two of the Valley's better defenses too, um, so not surprised to see this one stay. Relatively low scoring, um, although this was a pretty interesting matchup heading into it. It would certainly be interesting to see how the Eagles fare moving forward as they advance to the area round with statistically, in terms of yardage, uh, the Rio Grande Valley's top defense. Mission is the team I will be covering this week on Friday night in our area round game of the week as the Eagles head to Laredo and Sac Stadium to take on the Laredo United South Panthers. That is set for a 7.30 p.m. kickoff on Friday night in Laredo. Uh, Laredo United South gets into the area round under strange circumstances. They were set to play San Antonio Harlan in the by-district round, but due to an unfortunate set of circumstances there at Harlan, uh, that school had to forfeit their by-district game due to uh, a lot of positive COVID tests over there. Um, so the Panthers advanced to the area round via forfeit. They haven't played a game in a couple of weeks, but they do enter this one with one of the most talented individual players in South Texas in uh, running back Brian Benavidez. This is a guy who's really talented. Uh, he gave Gal Memorial fits in the by-district round of the playoffs last year, and uh, I've heard from my uh, reporter friends in Laredo and other parts of the state that have seen this guy play live before that uh, he's the real deal and um, he's certainly one of the most uh, talented and um, well-respected runners in South Texas we should say he's a senior too he's been here before um, I don't think he'll be intimidated by the stage and playing at home I would expect him to have a good game however uh, Mission does enter with the best rush defense in all the Rio Grande Valley and uh, one of the better all-around defenses in South Texas. 
Um, so I think that should be a very interesting X's and O's matchup as it's sort of the proverbial unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Uh, the winner of that game will move on to the third round of the 6A D1 playoffs and face the winner of two really powerhouse programs from uh, the Hill Country area and the San Antonio area. Uh, they would face the winner of Round Rock and Cibolo Steel, uh, two very talented programs. That should set up quite an interesting third round matchup there. Uh, so yeah, we got four 6A teams left. I would imagine, uh, hopefully, we'd still have one at least make it to the third round. Uh, I would love to go out of the valley again for another uh, Christmas week uh, high school football playoff matchup, but we will see what happens. We got a lot of good football ahead of us this week. I'm pretty excited for it, to tell you the truth. Uh, got four games in 6A, one in 5A D1, and two in 5A D2 as the Sherryland Pioneer Diamondbacks take on Marble Falls and the Mercedes Tigers take on the Leander Rouse Raiders, both in the area around there. Both those games are scheduled for Friday night. Uh, so we got six games Friday night and one Saturday afternoon. It ought to be interesting to see how many Valley teams are left standing when all the dust settles. Um, I imagine we'll probably have a few teams playing into the third round of the playoffs uh, collectively between that group of seven. So certainly we wish best of luck to all the Valley teams uh, in their pursuit of state championship and uh, as they hope to make hopefully a, as deep of a playoff run as they can. Um, and also we want to wish everyone out there a happy holiday season as we creep up on uh, that time of year now. Um, and also uh, just kind of generally asking everyone to stay safe and remember we're, we're in a pandemic, even though uh, vaccines have made their way to the Valley now in the beginning stages. Uh, we gotta ask everyone to see, please remain vigilant and uh, safe. And uh, you know, we saw several teams in every level of the playoffs in their season due to uh, forfeiting games because they couldn't play because of COVID. So I would, I would be uh, pretty disheartened to see a Valley team uh, get knocked out of the playoffs um, through something that did not occur on the field. So stay safe out there, y'all, and thanks for joining us again. And you can follow us uh, and, and keep up with all the matchups at rgvsports.com, at by Brian Ramos, and, of course, at visit rgvsports.com for all the latest and greatest in the RGV football and stats, features, and uh, all, all that good stuff. So really looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us. I'll, I'll be back with you next week to break down the week that was all area around RGV playoff football matchups. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time.